0: So, into this, uh, into this, <laughs> in this episode, I'm reading out the handout by Nicole Kipar, uh, which is an introduction to grounded theory, and the uh, reference for the handout will be in the description of the blog. And for all my students, you know, the handout is in our repository online. So, bugbear alert! Nicole starts. Many studies that claim to use grounded theory do not. I agree with Morse et al, 2009, that a researcher who wants to use grounded theory has to be able to locate their research within the complex and complicated landscape of grounded theory methodology and methods. The next part talks about the origins of grounded theory. In 1967, Bernie Glaser and Anselm Strauss published The Discovery of Grounded Theory, an approach to qualitative research. Glaser had been trained in quantitative methods and middle-range theories, and Strauss had a background in symbolic interactionism derived from his studies with the Chicago School, according to Brian and Chalmers, 2007. At the time of publication, positivistic paradigms with their quantitative data and associated epistemological assumptions was prevalent and grounded theory aimed to offer a credible alternative. Their goal was to systematize the collection, coding and analysis of qualitative data for the purpose of generating theory. The historical context explains why classic grounded theory methods are prescriptive and lend themselves to rigidity rather than flexibility. Unsurprisingly, the ontological assumptions implicit in classics grounded theory are realist, assuming the existence of an objective reality independent of an individual's perception. Glaser, unlike Strauss, who later wrote together with Juliet Corbin, continued to maintain quote, an objective external reality, a neutral observer who discovers data, reductionist inquiry of manageable problems, and objectivist rendering of data. According to Sharmas, who's quoted in Kune 2010, original grounded theory and Glass's classic continuation assume a distanced inquiry by objective experts who assumed that their training licensed them to define and represent research participants. Shama's 2008, page 400. The next part is a graphic overview of the development of grounded theory. And it starts with Glaser and Strauss, The Discovery of Grounded Theory, where the epistemological assumption is an objective or positivist one, implicit, not explicit, and the ontological assumption is realist. So they are assuming an objective reality independent of an individual's perception. Standing next to that is Strauss, and then later Strauss and Corbin, or Corbin and Strauss' um, development of the Straussian grounded theory. Here the epistemological assumptions are pragmatist, implicit, not explicit, And the ontological assumption is realist, again, same to Glaser and Strauss, uh, where an objective reality independent of an individual's perception exists. So these remain the same between Glaser and Strauss and Strauss and Strauss and and Corbin. However, Glaser's classic grounded theory has an objectivist epistemological uh, assumption, and an ontological assumption that's realist again where the objective reality independent of individual's perception is rather than assuming that theory emerges from data constructionists assume that researchers construct categories of the data it's a quote from mass in 2006 which Nicole used to to show the split in the developments between these more classic um approaches to grounded theory I just read to you, and then the two other developments she's showing next. So the next one is based on Priant and Shamas, or Shamas herself, and this is constructivist grounded theory, where the epistemological assumption is social constructivist, explicit, and the ontological assumption is that a reality is multiple, processual and constructed. This perspective on grounded theory is opposed by Clark, 2006, uh, 2005, apologies, um, that has a so situational analysis. Sorry, the writing's really small. And the epistemological assumption is also a social constructivist one, like with Shamas and Bryant. And the ontological re- assumption is as well a reality is multiple processual and constructed. So that was a description of the graphic. So the first part of that, we had a more traditional classic elements of grounded theory with an positivist or pragmatist assumption of an independent reality or an objective reality, which has then de- uh, developed into a more social constructivist assumption. So the next chapter is all about what makes grounded theory. And here Nicole shows key grounded theory methods, which might be really useful for you. So I'm reading out the key methods for grounded theory. The first one is axial coding. Axial coding relates categories to subcategories, specifies the properties and dimensions of category, and reassembles the data you have fractured during initial coding to give coherence to the emerging data analysis through sorting, synthesis, synthesizing, and organizing large amounts of data, according to Sharma's 2014. The next method is coding in grounded theory. Coding in grounded theory differs from coding usually employed in qualitative research which looks for topics and themes. Coding for topics is different to grounded theory coding for actions. General qualitative coding identifies topics about which the researcher can write. The researcher may use these topics as areas to sort and synthesize the material. However, line by line, grounded theory coding goes deeper into the studied phenomenon and attempts to explicate it, according to Sharmas 2014. Categories. Categories evolve from focused coding. So Sharmas gives the example of one of her codes in a study on chronic illness, which was suffering as a moral status. She elevated the code to a category which meant that she raised the code to a conceptual level to treat analytically. She began to define the category and its characteristics from responses from published autobiographical accounts. Realizing the term, living one day at a time, condenses a series of implicit meanings and assumptions. Eventually, this became the linchpin of her study, Sharma's 2014. Constant Comparison Constant comparison is the data analytic process whereby each interpretation and finding is compared with existing findings as it emerges from the data analysis, according to Parry 2004. Constructing core categories through the constant comparison method is fundamental for doing grounded theory, and you will use memo writing for this extensively, according to Sharmaz 2014. Focused coding. Focus coding categorizes coded data based on thematic or conceptual similarity. Salanya Salania S- 2013. It searches for most frequent or significant codes to develop, the most salient categories, and requires decisions about which initial codes make the most analytical sense. Chalmers, 2006. Focus coding directs our analysis early in the research process and helps us to evaluate the direction we take without embarking on a path of no return. By engaging in focused coding, we typically concrete, concentrate on what we define as the most useful initial codes, and then we test them again exten- against extensive data, 2014, Shamas. Initial coding, means that when grounded theorists conduct this, they remain open to exploring whatever theoretical possibility can be discerned in the data. So initial grounded theory coding can prompt you to see areas in which you lack needed data. Realizing that your data may have gaps or holes is part of the analytic process. So it is inevitable when you adopt an emergent method of conducting research. Initial coding should attempt to code with words that reflect action. At first, invoking a language of action rather than of topics and themes may feel strange. Look closely at actions and to the extent possible, code data as actions. Shamas, 2014. Memo writing. Memo writing is a pivotal, intermediate step between data collection and writing drafts of papers. They catch your thoughts, capture the comparisons and connections you make, and crystallize questions and directions for you to pursue. Your standpoints and assumptions become visible. Following up on ideas and questions that came up while you wrote them will push your work forward. Memos provide a record of your research and of your analytic process. Progress, well I assume process as well, to keep a memo bank containing each one so that you have the chronological set and can retrieve an earlier idea that you had discarded. Charmas, 2014. Sensitizing concepts. Sensitizing concepts give researchers initial but tentative ideas to pursue and question to raise about their topics. Sensitizing concepts can provide a place to start inquiry, not to end it. Grounded theorists often begin their studies with certain guiding empirical interests to study. So sensitizing concepts from symbolic interactionism, so look up Plumer uh, 1969, can help you to start code your data. These concepts give you starting points for initiating your analysis, but do not determine its content. Chalmers, 2014. Theoretical sampling. Theoretical sampling is aimed towards theory construction, not for population representativeness. Quote, theoretical sampling means seeking pertinent data to develop your emerging theory. The main purpose of theoretical sampling is to elaborate and refine the categories constituting your theory. You conduct theoretical sampling by sampling to develop the properties of your categories until no new properties emerge. Chamas, 2014, page 193. And theoretical saturation. Theoretical saturation means the researcher keeps on adding cases to the samples until they have enough data to describe what is going on in the context or situation under study. Until theoretical saturation is reached, when no new insights, properties, dimensions, relationships, codes, or categories are produced, even when new data are added. That's from Cohen 2017, page 718-720. to And that was Nicole's paper as an introduction to grounded theory.